Thank you. Right. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Stat 2? Who'd want to do that? Sequels suck. No. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Wow! A second Super Saiyan? Second in order, perhaps, but by no means in stature. Your fight is with me now. And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Man, I can't fucking believe this. Another basement, another elevator. How could the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Oh, please, please. By definition alone, they're inferior films. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Inside the Sequel. You know what this podcast is. This is where we talk about sequel movies and why they don't get enough love or attention or maybe you just forgot about. And um, today's episode, I'm your host, Chris, as always. I have a very special guest talking about very interesting um, movies. Um, We're talking about Guillermo del Toro's 2008 sequel film, Hellboy 2. Now for our next item, the royal crown of Beth Mora, a piece from a long lost culture. Lost? Not at all. Very much alive. And I am here to reclaim what is rightfully mine. Call security! When our world is threatened, I have returned to wage war and reclaim our land. My forces beyond our understanding. Our government turns to an elite, top secret organization. We're moving up. We had over 70 guests reported. We have no survivors. Same story here, babe. Don't call me babe. Hey, I said, hey. Red, we have company. Princess Nuala, my father died to uphold the truce with your world. I will call upon the help of all the children of the earth. The good, the bad. Give it up, Nasty, we can see it. See me? How? How do you see me? And the worst. The Golden Army, the unstoppable force. Oh, crap. Them. I wouldn't do that if I were you. They're afraid of me. You have more in common with us than with them, demon. Excuse me. Make the choice. You woke up the baby. And to help me with this one, I called up... You know, it's funny. It's like a gothic movie, and I never thought it was going to be like a gothic movie. And I had to call the most gothic boy I know, and that is Daniel from Hobbies. Daniel, how are you, bucko? Hey, man. I'm doing really good. It's funny that you called me the most gothic person you know because I am not a goth in any sense of the word. I'm currently wearing a bright blue floral 
v-neck t-shirt and uh i've never worn black nail polish or anything like that i don't know but, uh, i'm pretty sure in like college you were playing uh mayday parade you had like black suede you had military boots no nah, you've got you've got me mixed up with my wife who definitely <laughs> listens to a lot of mayday parade and uh taking back sunday and I, I don't know all the all the emo bands but she listens to them yeah, Hot Topic is still a place I love to go shop constantly. Oh, sure, man. I mean, they got a lot of like uh, pop culture T-shirts. So I, have, I definitely have a lot of uh, Hot Topic T-shirts. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, you aren't the gothic boy anymore, but you're actually like the you're the brushing off cinema now with your new <laughs> brushing off. Yeah. I just brush them off. Who cares about movies, man? <laughs> that's how that's the angle <laughs> I would take with these classic movies. I am thoroughly convinced film Twitter pretends to like these old movies for the clout. I'm convinced, but, but these movies are actually like super entertaining. So like, why wouldn't you enjoy them for real? Uh, I, I just feel like, people aren't watching them. They're just buying them and saying they watched them because they can prove I have it on my shelf. Here's, here's photo evidence right here. Why are you so cynical and distrustful? <laughs> I have trust issues, man. <laughs> you clearly do. <laughs> no, but let, let's talk about cobwebs. Um, how, how are you liking like the new transition? I personally am a big fan of it. We did that Westerns episode um, with Mitch. Uh, God, you know, I was, that was so much fun. It was educational too. Um, I really like this new angle you took, man. Oh, thanks. I'm enjoying it a lot. You know, kind of a goal that I've, I've taken to it is I, you know, every episode is folk, almost every episode is focused on one or two movies, but it's really like a conversation about a topic. Often it's uh, an actor or a director. Um, so like I, I recently recorded an episode with uh, Michael Scott from Atkins Undisputed and we talked about Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mm-hmm. And we talked about a lot of Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, but it was really like a bigger conversation about Frank Capra in general. And, and that's kind of like the direction it's gone. And that's what I'm really enjoying is I, I want the, the podcast to be open to people who have either watched a lot of old classic movies or haven't. And like, you know, the Mr. Smith goes to Washington episode, I think would be good to listen to whether you've seen that movie or if you just want to learn more about Frank Capra. And, um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to do with it. Uh, I think it's working out and I'm, I'm really enjoying it a lot. It's, it's really fun to prepare for because I do this segment at the end, uh, where we, (laughs) the cobwebs dusting portion of the show where we recommend more movies, from the actor or director we're talking about. And that kind of allows me to watch movies I've never seen before in preparation. And I, you know, it's good to talk about movies you've seen many times because you really know them. But I like I like watching movies I've never seen before. So it's it's really fun to prepare for that section too. Right. And you can tease like the person you're going to be having on with like if you're on Letterboxd or something, you just like put that you watched it with no ranking or review to it as well to keep them on the hot seat. Well, you forget that no one pays attention to my letterbox except for you, Chris, but I appreciate oh. you watching that. <laughs> every day, every day, I log in there, I refresh, I go through, and I see what my boy's been watching. Why are you just and stuck, though? You don't log your own stuff. I'm one of those people who, like, don't want to live their life, but they try to live it through other people. So, like, I just kind of, like, read what you've been watching. Like, You're oh, a lurker. Seems... Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm one of the saddest podcasters out there. Like, I get senile <laughs> towards other people. I make fun of my my contemporaries and I just stalk them all the time too. So Mitch <laughs> loves that. I think that's why Mitch likes me so much. Mitch really, really loves you. I think you're his new favorite person, like crossing his family. You know, what's crazy though. I went to Wendy's and ate the chicken sandwich there because he was on a podcast 
bragging about eating the Wendy's chicken sandwich. I think he's like entered the realm of like influencer now. That was the uh, Let's Talk About Stuff podcast, right? Yep. yep. Did you listen to their best action movies draft episode? Yeah, that's the one where the, I was referencing, yeah. Boy, that is some madness right there. Yeah, that but, episode yeah. broke my brain. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Maybe maybe just different breeds, but man, I was really digging it. And uh, <laughs> one thing that uh, about it that I, I, I was like, man, another like, I got like a big shame is like, I still need to watch these Star Tro- Starship Trooper movies. Because like, it seems like every turn or every listen of a podcast I have, Starship Troopers is always being talked about. I've only seen the first one. I actually got to see it in a theater. Um, our mutual friend Seth Garrett and I got to see like a retro screening a few years ago. It is a really fun movie. Uh, I've never seen any of the sequels. I think they're all direct to video. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but um, yeah, I've never I've never seen anything beyond the first one for sure. I couldn't tell you what they're called or anything. Oh, Starship Trooper Two, Inner our uh, Outer Space Boogaloo or something like that. I don't, I, I don't know anything about these movies. I think that's it. I think that's it, man. When are you going to do, by the way, the Break Into Electric Boogaloo episode? <laughs> I still got to watch the first one then. There's so many sequels I'm so excited for. And I think one of them I'm the most looking forward to. Maybe your ticket to another episode of this very prestigious and ultra popular podcast. I think I'm going to start watching these dark um, stalker movies soon because death stalker, death stalker. Yeah. What I say? Dark I'm so stalker. happy. Okay. So the first death stalker <laughs> is not good and it's a bummer. Like it is a gross, filthy movie, not in a fun way. Uh, <laughs> but the second one is so much fun. And okay, here's my pitch to you, Chris. So go. right before the title card comes up in this movie, uh, the main character death stalker, you know, like kind of like, does something bad to a bad guy and runs off. And the bad guy, well, who's actually a woman says, I will have my revenge and death stalker too. And then the title card hits death stalker too. And I'm like, that line needs to be in Chris's inside the sequel, like, like opening uh, theme. Like that line needs to be in there. have my revenge and death stalker too because they just yeah. say the name of a sequel <laughs> that yeah i i actually watched the trailer for it i didn't know it was a it, it's a screen factor really so for my boutique label cretins out there get your hands on it um but yeah i watched that trailer and it looks sweet it also looks very sensual which Boy, yeah. do we like here on this podcast. So. The lead actress is an adult film actress, and she uses her skills that she learned in that industry in this movie. That's all I'll say. Ah, oh, dang. I'm surprised Mitch didn't pitch this to me then. I feel like he would have known the name and everything for it. <laughs> but we're talking about Guillermo del Toro and Hellboy 2, bud. And you were really excited for this one. I know you had seen them pr- prior to me asking you to be on for this, correct? Yes, these are childhood favorites. That's what I find so interesting. I just watched these movies for the first time, like all the way through. I had seen like bits and clips, you know, on TV. I re- for some reason when I was growing up, I saw them on TV a couple times and never followed them through. But now finally like owning them and watching them, boy, these would have been like the craziest movies for me as a kid. Like I would have been all over this shit. <laughs> uh yeah, I uh the, this first Hellboy came out in 2004. 
let's see, in 2004, I was 11 years old and I, I wasn't able to see it in the theater or anything. I, I wanted to see this movie so bad. And when I was growing up, there was a, there was a mom and pop video store about a half hour's bike ride away. And I would regularly ride my bike to that video store and just like walk around and looking at the movies. Like I didn't have any money, yeah. but I just wanted to look at them all. Yeah. And I would, there are two movies that I would look at the most and they were, the Punisher starring Tom Thomas Jane, which I wasn't allowed to watch because it's rated R and extremely violent, which also came out in 2004 and Hellboy and Hellboy. I never even asked my parents if I could watch because I grew up in a very Christian household and I was afraid to ask them if I could watch a movie where a demon is the hero, but I wanted to see it so bad. And then one day my dad just kind of randomly says, Hey, I heard about this movie Hellboy. I want to watch it. And I'm like, oh my God, like my time has come. Like I, it turns out my parents had no problem with Hellboy. I just kind of assumed they would. But uh, so yeah, my dad rented it. We watched it together and um, I loved it. Uh, and I've seen Hellboy many, many times. I love this movie. Yeah, it's, it's so weird that these movies exist in a time in the 2000s where to me, has some of the best like superhero movies of like like that influences me, you know, like the Spider-Man Raimi films, those X-Men movies. And then for this one, it's 2008 for Hellboy 2. You get Iron Man and The Dark Knight released that same year as well. Yeah, it's it's wild how Hellboy 2 is the best superhero movie of 2008. Yeah, I I'd probably agree with you there too easily. Uh and the thing is, it's Del Toro that's directing these movies and um I didn't get really into Guillermo's filmmaking until like man, when I saw Pan's Labyrinth, I think in like senior year of high school, you know? And, uh, and then I started watching more of his other things. So I've seen Kronos. Uh, I've seen Pan's Labyrinth, obviously multiple times. And then when Shape of Water came out, we saw that multiple times. And now, I mean, I watched Hellboy one and two. Um, I'm still have yet to finally go through like the Crimson Peak film. And, uh, I know you did an episode on the devil's backbone. Um, I still need to mark that off my list, but, uh, you know, when you think about Del Toro and his filmmaking, like he's such an ultra nerd for like fantasy, you know, and he's, he's such a, like has such an eye for like imaginary detail. And like, this is like so ripe for him, but I still cannot believe these movies existed at this time. They're just so different. I know. I was really thinking about that reason when I recently, I just rewatched Hellboy and that movie is so much weirder than like anything that that the MCU has just recently like gotten the courage to do. Like the MCU mm -hmm. has just recently started to get a little bit weirder with stuff like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, but man, Hellboy Two is such a an eccentric and interesting blockbuster. Uh, the kind of which we just do not get very often. Um, I was I was just pretty blown away once again by how unique that movie is. And uh, I don't say this very often, but about like comic book movies or something, but I just can't imagine any other director pulling off this property. Like I, man, like if, if we're so lucky that Del Toro was attached to this. Yeah. And you know, he's such a comic book nerd. He loves his old movie monster movies. And you get like, I, at least when I was watching, I got like vibes of like some parts of Frankenstein in it. And then you get some like, demonic heaven and hell which i feel like was like a weird like trend in the 2000s with like you got like legion that came out and then you got like a like a few oh, other yeah. movies ghost rider ghost rider uh what's constantine jonah came out yeah jonah hill constantine <laughs> you know, like it was weird like there was a literal battle for heaven and hell on earth with filmmaking at this that's true this man decade. Van and Helsing was 2004 too, and that kind of goes in that vein as well. I would too, and shout out to the Catholic Church in that movie. Actually, don't <laughs> shout out the Catholic Church. Uh, but yeah, I I just 
I feel like if I watched these as a kid, I would probably put this in the same. Well, I probably still, I still would now too. But like as a, I feel like I'd be more pushing towards Hellboy being like up there with some of the best ever. And I think it is some of the best comic book movies. But also for the two thousands, it's like some of the best movie making, um, for the decade. Both movies, they're so incredibly gorgeous movies with the dark shadows and. You get a lot of like blue lighting in the first one, and you get a lot more yellow lighting um, in the second one. And, yeah. Uh, you just—it's just like so vivid. It's just like dreamlike. Um, and you get so many different like. How do you, especially for a comic book movie, just a movie that juggles so many like themes that are borrowed from early older monster movies and fantasy. Like you know, I think you said one time, which I really like. When you watch a Del Toro movie, it feels like watching a fairy tale. And it's so yeah, true. yeah. The Hellboy movies are they they work for that. And uh, the the first Hellboy movie is really really good, but it has problems I think. And mm-hmm. I think Hellboy two is is the perfect kind of sequel in that it takes everything that's great about the first one, keeps it, and then takes everything that didn't work about the first one and either improves it or just gets rid of it. And uh, so so cat out of the bag. I think Hellboy two is be- a better movie. Yeah, I saw you, you. You had talked about that, and I after watching the first one, I was like, "How is it?" Like, I was, I was surprised. I was like, "How is the sequel going to top this movie?" Um, and I, 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 this Hellboy two is just as strong, if not stronger. I'm with you there with with the first Hellboy. Um, I just, I just, I really like these movies, um, and they're at two hours some of the fastest two hours ever like for both movies i like watched them in days apart and like i was surprised how quick they were over i was like what <laughs> yeah you know something that really helps that i think for the first movie is first of all i think hellboy is a character he has just like one of the coolest superhero origin stories in that like he literally <laughs> crawled out of hell and then was just raised as a man here on earth um but it's also an origin story that they get over with within like 10 minutes at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then the origin story is done. And then you just get to go on your Hellboy adventure, which is uh, unusual for the time and pretty refreshing. Yeah. And I like uh, Ron Perlman as uh, I mean, he worked in Kronos with Del Toro in the nineties and then he's in, he was an alien resurrection and then he's in this. And I just, I think he, I couldn't think of another actor that could pull off um, the Hellboy character. I haven't seen the David Harbor uh, portrayal for the new Hellboy movie that came out like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I should have tried to watch that before this. But um, at the time, I couldn't think of a more charismatic type of actor and one who's like shredded like him and who looks good in red as well. Also, he has the big jerk off arm like that we all had as kids <laughs> with that right arm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Um, yeah, Ron Perlman, man. Uh, I, I'm often of the opinion that I think people get way too up in arms about superhero casting because I think for the most part, superhero roles are like, I don't feel like they're that difficult of roles. And like, you can get most competent, good looking actors, just put them in a superhero role, they'll be fine. Like, I don't even think you need a big star to play Batman. Like, you could pretty much get any attractive, good actor. He'll, he'll play Batman, he'll be fine. Um, but Hellboy, he is like maybe the only character that I can only imagine one person doing it. And I've seen, okay, so I tried to do my due diligence and watch (laughs) the David Harbour Hellboy movie before this. Uh I got like an hour through it. I really, really hated it. It, I I said to a friend of mine, it felt like a frat guy belching in my face for an hour straight. Like it is just the most obnoxious, immature thing ever. It's a hard R 
which is, I think, a bad choice because the Hellboy comics are not R-rated comics. This is not an R-rated gory character, um, but it's packed with super over-the-top gory violence, but it's all really terrible CGI gory violence that the CGI is, I think, worse than in 2004 <laughs> Hellboy. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, David Harbour, like, he's okay, but... He just doesn't feel like that character. He feels like David Harbour in makeup. You know what I mean? And like Ron yeah. Perlman, I forget it's Ron Perlman. Like he just so embodies Hellboy. He's so perfect. Yeah. And at that time, you think about the movies that were coming out for especially because I watched the special feature for the first one. And what Del Toro did his homework. He read through these comics. He brought in the creator of the comics um, onto the writing staff. Um, Del Toro is on the production team. He's the writer. He, um, he did the directing, obviously he knew about this character and was passionate about it. And I feel like that's so important. I don't know with like how many directors and I might be wrong and it just might, might be an activity, but like, I mean, how many, I don't know if like a lot of directors like give that much effort into the work that they're going to be putting out for like something like a comic book movie. You know what I mean? And I could, I feel like I totally trust a del Toro type of director who's passionate in the, almost all of his movies he's puts out. Um, and it translates to the screen. Like I genuinely was interested in like the Hellboy um, universe and I haven't read the comics, but it just felt like so such like passion was put into it. And I think I, I sometimes you don't get that with comic book movies today. And I'm not here to say like modern comic book movies today are like not as good as they used to be. But um, you know, there's some element of like, lack of passion sometimes depending on which superhero movies you're watching i feel i know what you mean um gosh i feel like so twitter recently just not to, sorry to bring up hashtag film twitter but um <laughs> we love it here it's it's been so heavy and people just griping about superhero movies that seems to be all anyone's talking about anymore is just how much they hate the mcu uh mm -hmm. which is weird because everybody goes to see all the mcu movies so it's like well if you don't like them stop watching them but yeah. On one hand, like, I like these movies, but I get a lot of the complaints. I get how homogenous they often are. I get how – I get the sameness that there – not always is, but there often is. But, you know, it is even more uh, obvious when you watch something like Hellboy. And it's just so creative, and it's so from an authorial voice. Like, it's just so del Toro and uh, – it's just so much more bold and interesting and memorable than almost anything you're going to get out of the MCU. Even though once again, I like the MCU a lot. Yeah. I always go see those movies, but these Hellboy movies are better than almost anything that we get nowadays. I would have to say it's just, they're, they're just more interesting. Uh, the characters are, are so well drawn, but also I think they have, I think they have legitimately good action scenes. And yeah. I do think like the MCU is lacking in the action department these days, oh. or, or I think they always have. Like, I think everyone always agrees that like the fight at the end is always the least interesting part of any superhero movie. Um, but it's not every superhero movie. Cause like the Sam Raimi, Spider-Man movies, great fights. A lot of the X-Men movies, especially like the uncut version of the Wolverine, great fights. Um, and I think Hellboy has really, really good action scenes, especially the second one. Cause you've got like Luke Goss doing those awesome martial arts. And yeah. It's great. Here's the thing. Um, and it's funny cause Hellboy two comes out 2008. And basically I feel like that's when everyone was like, you know what? Superhero movies, they're serious. They're hard boiled. They're gritty. They're for us, <laughs> us mature comic book fans, you know, but even in 2008, Hellboy one and two, they have a charm to them. There is a, a there's a there's a breath of fresh air that it's like 
you know, Hellboy is this funny guy who, who has sentimentality, you know, it's like, it's kind of nice to have like movies that were closer to what like Iron Man and these movies were coming out. And it's like, you know, this like very singular stories with a lot of good meanings to them. And, um, I don't feel like I have to like hate the world after watching them, you know, or like, you know, the world's a horrible, <laughs> scary place and we need like vigilantes. You know what I mean? Okay. Wait, which superhero movies make you feel like you hate the world after they're over? I'm pretty sure the dark Knight makes you feel like that. Like you just okay. like, like, the, I don't think I do the underbelly and like the political corruption. And then it's just like, man, Nolan was really speaking facts in 2008, even though that's a universal truth, but I still like dark Knight. Um, but you know, just like, and yeah, again, I don't really want to get into it too much, but like, yeah, I feel like everyone's either complaining about superhero movies need to be more serious or super movies need to stop being so formulaic. But at the same time, I do like some, th- some of those th- themes in our modern superhero movies, but just for something like Hellboy, um, it just feels like an adventure, you know, like it feels like one whole adventure and the adventure is just like about Hellboy as a character and the way Del Toro just developed, um, Hellboy as a character along with the side characters, I, which we, we need to get into. Cause like, I loved Abe, uh, Doug Jones is, is such a pleasant to see in Hellboy one and two. I love him personally more in two as well. Um, I love how John Hurt, the father, I feel like his sentimentality. I said, Hellboy one feels like, a rela- like how like a father son relationship is when that son is coming to an age where he doesn't think he needs his father, you know? And I think it has a lot to say about that and like maturity and like positive masculinity because Hellboy, he, he, he has like these flaws, but he still cares about the people he's protecting. Um, oh, yeah. and he's, he has like these adolescent moments, um, there he doesn't follow the rules and stuff. And it feels like something like a Wolverine type that people gravitate towards more, but there's so much more, there's so much of a heart there, you know? that makes you want to love Hellboy. And in Hellboy 2, I feel like we get a lot more progression as well um, with the character. Yeah, I first of all, John Hurt, I love the way he says Hellboy. He's just always like, Hellboy. I call him my son. Hellboy. Uh, (laughs) No, yeah, that's one thing that's great about the sequel is it moves the characters forward. There are way too many sequels, I think, that kind of reset the characters back to square one so that they can perform the same arc again. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness is really, really bad about that. Uh, National Treasure 2 is terrible about that. They spend a whole movie getting Nicolas Cage and Diane Kruger together, and then National Treasure 2, it's like, oh, they're broken up. Okay, now they need to get together again. Isn't it funny they break up in that movie? (laughs) (laughs) It's so that Nicolas Cage can have that meltdown at the museum and, and do the the English accent and say governor or whatever he says. <laughs> what are you going to do in a this... national treasure Two episode, by the way? Oh, don't worry. It's, <laughs> it's already in the works. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. But yeah, uh, I mean, they, you know, in the first movie, they get Hellboy and Liz together, which by the way, I love that couple. Um, that's one thing that I love about the first movie is it kind of makes you think that maybe Liz is going to end up with the normal guy who's Myers. Yeah. And at the end, they're like, Nope. And Del Toro was like, fuck that shit. She has ended up with the monster because I love Mm -hmm. monsters because I'm Del Toro. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And I love the very ending to Hellboy when he says that, you know, I, I, I said to those on the other side for her, I'll cross over and then you'll be sorry. And that's why she came back to life. That's just such a great romantic moment. But Mm -hmm. yeah, in the sequel, 
they don't break up. It's about how do they function as a couple and like, how are they going to move forward as a couple with like having a baby? And uh, even Abe moves forward into like having his, his first crush basically. First it's loves. really good. It's really, really good about that. About And I, it makes me so sad that we never got a third movie because there's definitely more story to tell here. Like they're setting up for things, not obnoxiously setting up for things and like uh, an amazing Spider-Man two way, but setting up for characters to move forward in certain ways. And it, eh, man, it sucks. We never got that third movie. Really sad. Yeah. It could have been a trilogy. Spider-Man yeah. got his trilogy. We should have got a 2000s. X-Men got a trilogy in the 2000s. Why didn't we get a Hellboy X-Men got trilogy? two trilogies and then more. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. wherever it's at now, right? But I I do think in Hellboy 2, because like, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I like that one more. Again, another movie. The movie starts with a very quick prologue about a teen, like a very young Hellboy with living with John Hurt. It's a Christmas movie, by yes, the way. It is. <laughs> Hellboy is a Christmas movie for those who are looking for something in December to watch. Um, and I, it, I also love how, yeah, like so. The, I'm gonna. I, I'm curious. The things you said you didn't like in the first one that it gets rid of and like ignores or updates. I'm curious to know what you're, the ones you had because for me it was definitely okay. like the human character um, from the Myers. first movie. Yeah, he's gone in this movie, um, which I thought was a better improvement. And also, like, the villain so much more in this movie than in the first movie. Even though I like that Aldrich kind of, like, uh, uh, Lovecraftian type of element to the first movie that's absent in the second, I still think the the villain and the, the motives there are so much better in the second movie. Could not agree more. Yeah, Myers does not bother me in the first movie, but he, like, he serves a function. Mm-hmm. But this movie rightfully recognizes that his function is over. Like he's the yeah. audience surrogate into this world. But by the second movie, we don't need an audience surrogate anymore. This is Hellboy's the main character. We don't need Myers anymore. So that's a really smart decision. Um, yeah, Hellboy has a villain problem in that the villain is just super, super generic. <laughs> and like yeah. he just has the most ridiculous dialogue. Like everything he says is like, the souls of fallen angels will cry into this vat and it will birth darkness. Like that's every line out of his mouth. And you're just like, okay, man, just relax. You <laughs> Russian Nazi demon Lord, whatever you are. <laughs> yeah, I do love he... Klaus. Is, it, is he? No, he's not Klaus. The, the metal guy with the knives on his arms. That yeah, dude is awesome. Very cool, cool character design, which you only get, I feel like, in Del Toro movies. And he's so creepy. Like, the autopsy yeah. scene in that first movie is great. Straight up horror. So cool. Yeah. But in the second one, I, I mean, yeah, I just... It's so interesting that they give like a prologue to the beginning of the world and basically bridging like all this fantasy element on top of the demonic. So it feels like the first one's more demonic. The second one is more like fantasy. You know, you get trolls, you get elves, you get dwarves, and it's all in New York, the melting pot, you know? That is a great point. They're the two movies, both action adventure movies, but they're they're both like kind of different genres. And the Hellboy is kind of more of a horror movie and Hellboy 2 is more fantasy. That's a really good point. That's what we try to do here. We try to we try to get people to watch these films. Chris, uh, you are an intelligent movie watcher. Well, here's another piece of intelligence that I like. That the, <laughs> so both both movies say I think speak a lot. There's a lot of good messages in this movie, and I'm not saying like you know this is a movie that's gonna chur- like you know like be such like a like a educational thing or anything. But I do like in Hellboy too. Um, it covers on so the like again. It's a continuation of the Hellboy character. We 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 end the first movie. He realizes what being a man is. His father is gone, and in this one, 
it's about that point in a man's life, like, how do you manage a relationship? The road to fatherhood, because he's scared of something big to happen. He's dragging his feet. Liz is always saying, like, you just, you know, you're not, you're not changing how I want you to, because he's still doing the same old stuff that she's tired of because she's pregnant, right? Kind of a man child, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also what I love is the movies take place in New York, whether that's on purpose or not. But, like, I love how we talked about it in TMNT too um, as well, but I like how like these different <clears throat> species live in New York, which is known as such a big melting pot of cultures and ethnicities. And it's always the, the, um, the, the less desirables as being like the main characters. And like, they're the ones who are helping these people who don't appreciate them, you know? And it kind of gets rid of these, these, um, these ideas that we have about them. And I feel like Hellboy two does that so much better. Cause like there's that part where they go into the troll like marketplace, you know, and it's basically like a opposite of New York in a way, which is so cool. And it has so many different, even though they're all trolls, they all feel like different culture trolls, <laughs> which <laughs> I feel like only trolls. Del Toro could do. They're speaking you know, different like dialects, you know, same language, <laughs> different dialect. And you get one with a tumor baby that's talking the whole time too. I'm not a baby. I'm a tumor. <laughs> like what the hell is that i love that dialogue <laughs> you know speaking of new york last night uh i went to the theater and i went to see in the heights and then this morning i watched hellboy 2 so i watched two great new york movies right in a row there that's your double feature folks wow <laughs> Lindsay, right now is typing this in and gonna be like okay, in the heights and hellboy 2 <laughs> in the heights is really good by the way really enjoyed it oh i haven't seen a new movie in like forever i feels like <laughs> that's what i thought i was i was I don't know why. Right before we got on the call, I was thinking, like, when's the last time Chris went to the theater? Was it Tenet? Tenet? No, Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, of course. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yes, sir. Uh, but I really like, like, the, the, the different... Like, I'm glad it didn't take place all in New York, like in the first movie and in the sewers um, of New York. You get, like, a whole different world in this one. And it just... It felt bigger. You know, it felt like more world building without feeling so massive, you know? Yeah, these movies are so good at world building but not stopping for world building. Like mm -hmm. they're not obviously setting things up. They just play things out. It's like, like the first John wick movie, first John wick movie sets up a world so well without ever stopping to explain it to you. They mm -hmm. just walk through that world and you just take it in. And that's what Hellboy yeah. two does as well. Yeah. And, and I love how, like you were talking about CGI earlier, this movie, man, all the, the practical effects, like in the opening with the, uh, the prince and his, his, I guess his bodyguard is like all practical in like the auction house and stuff like that. That's basically the, the, the catalyst for uncut gems. I feel like when they're just auctioning all this expensive jewelry and everything, um, you and always all have to bring up uncut gems. <laughs> But the it's like the costumes look so good, and I'm like, man, like this is 2008. This looks amazing. It's like so not that, all CGI. 
that big monster is practical because I wasn't sure. I actually thought it was CG. In that scene, he is, and then in later oh, scenes, he's uh, he is CGI. Okay, yeah, the effects are are better in this one. The first one has a lot of spotty CGI, which I forgive. It's two thousand four, but mm-hmm. the effects look a lot better in this movie for sure. Yeah. Hey, I was a bit curious though. Like the character that's like basically working like the intermarry between like the government and um, Hellboy's um, Manning, the bald Manning. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Is it me or like he's funny, but like I could do without him for most of the movie. Well, I think that's kind of the joke is that you can do without him and Hellboy can do without him. So he's <laughs> <laughs> I like him. Uh, I like that. He's I mean, Myers is basically replaced with him like he yeah. is in the first movie, too. But he has a bigger role in this movie. And um, he's he's a fun punching bag. You know, if anybody has ever seen uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh. I'm referencing a sitcom from the 1950s, uh, which I really enjoy. There is a there's a boss at the sta- at the uh, the TV station where Dick Van Dyke works, and he's this bald guy, and he basically just exists to be made fun of by by one of Dick Van Dyke's coworkers, and it's just always making fun of him for being bald or something like that. And uh, that's basically what Manning is, and like he's he's a big joke, and I think. Um, I think it works. I think the actor is actually canceled now. I'm not really sure. I don't know the details, but I think he works in this movie. He was in um, Injustice for All uh, with Al Pacino from 1979. He's oh. one of the lawyers. Oh, wow. He, That's a long time ago. Been, yeah, and he, he should have been canceled for that movie, too. Like, he's a pretty slimy guy. Uh, <laughs> um, but maybe that's why I was also like, oh, this guy. Um, uh, but, okay. man, also... <sighs> We talk about like Hellboy and his story and stuff. I loved Liv in the first movie, like how she was just like um, this really like isolated character, a little bit emo type. You know, it's two thousand real emo, yeah. Yeah, and in this movie, she still has that flair to her, which I really like. But it, it's a little like she's more opened up. It's same thing with Abe in this movie. He's more opened up. They're not just like. Um, you know, they, they're so well built in the first movie, but in the second one, I feel like I know so much about them. It's one of those sequel movies where it's like, I could, I just slide right in and I know about these characters and like, I want to know more. I spend time with them and you get a lot of that in this movie. There's a lot of hangout in this movie. Yes. Yeah. They are, man, they're such a great trio, you know, like up there with like Luke, Han and Leia, like this trio is so fantastic. I love these characters especially in this movie. I am also a huge fan of Selma Blair as Liz. Mm -hmm. Um, Really good in the first movie, but you're right. Like she moves forward in this one. She's even better in this movie. Her fire has gone from blue to orange. I'm not really sure why that goes along with like the color, the whole color scheme (laughs) of the movie changing. Like you kind of set up at the beginning. Um, But yeah, like she's, she's so fun. And I I mean, she's a great like grumpy emo character, which Selma Blair does a lot and, and does really well. But She's the perfect kind of person to be Hellboy's love interest. And and I just love how they they so obviously care so much about each other. And like mm-hmm. she may rag on him from time to time and he deserves to be ragged on from time to time and have his <laughs> ego taken down a few pegs. But um they uh, like when in their quiet moments they they care about each other so much and I just really love their relationship. Yeah. And you know to to because we got rid of a character, we add a new one. We get Kraus. Um, yeah, <laughs> and he's voiced by Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. You're right. And 
You know, so I, weird. I, when I heard his voice when he was talking, I was like, I swear I know this voice from somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just saw the tiger. I was with Seth MacFarlane. I like totally, totally get that. Um, you know, I like the Krauss character. It's a little bit of a weird one for me, but it fits in this weird world that like Hellboy 2 is. Like it's like I feel like it is on Earth, but like it feels like so away from like the normal normalcy. Like the first one kind of tries to keep with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you know, I one thing I like about it is they Manning sets up like, oh, we're gonna get a new guy. We're gonna have a handler coming in to handle you, and like you're totally expecting another Myers. Like, you're totally expecting another generic white guy, clean-shaven, <laughs> suit, uh, 1950s haircut. Like, that's totally what you're expecting. And in walks in Kraus, this metal-suited gas monster thing with a ridiculous German accent. Like, it's just it's just uh, Del Toro doubling down and being like, we are not interested in normal people in this movie. We are not mm-hmm. dealing with normal people. This movie is all about the weirdos, and I <laughs> love that. He keeps the theme that he had in the first movie where it was more like creatures. It's more demonic creatures. And in this movie, it's more mechanical. Like there's so many like, like the opening is like clockwork. And in this movie, you get Krauss, who's like a a robot type thing. You get that with the golden army. You get that with the elves bodyguards, which we got to talk about just the elves and the villain of this movie and his sister. Um, so they technically live like underground New York. If that's what I understood correctly, <laughs> like the setting. Yeah, I don't know. This movie assumes that like there are so many areas on earth that are just populated by all these crazy monsters. And I'm just kind of like, where, where are these places where all these monsters are just vibing and we never see them? <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. I can totally suspend my disbelief for that. It's all good. But yeah, so you were talking about the insane like movement that the prince, I forget the actor who plays him. Uh, It's Um, Luke Goss as Prince Nuada Silverlands. And my God, uh, I mean, I would I would call him my king because like (laughs) he's such a cool villain. Like awesome. Like, like, man, like imagine if like that's exactly what like watch Hellboy and then watch Hellboy 2 and you'll understand what Hellboy was missing. It's it's this guy and like this type of villain. He just. So good. I love like the relationship with the sister. It feels like a healthier relationship than like Joaquin Phoenix had in Gladiator with his sister. See, I felt like it was a very similar relationship because he has some incestuous moments in this movie where you're like, oh, you want you kind of want to bang your sister. Like I'm oh. feeling a vibe here and it's creeping me out. Oh, yeah. But I, I, I just maybe it's just because they're. Yeah, I don't know why I think it's healthier, but like, yeah, they totally want to bang. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's like it's I mean, she cool. does it. She's totally creeped out by it. But I feel like incest is such a great <laughs> shortcut for creepy villain. Like all you have to do is show your villain acting lustful around his sister. And like we want that villain to die. We're just like, but this is he, a super creep. <laughs> but what's weird is they're attached to the hip, like with their feelings. So like if he wants his sister, he technically wants himself, though, right? I yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> Holy crap, dude. Del Toro's like onto something there. This guy is a, a narcissist. He wants to bang himself technically. You know, that's not a shock. That's I not mean, a shock, I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's a good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So you were saying like, where are these like a monsters at? For me, it was like, oh, throughout this entire world, there's just so many different things we haven't even yet discovered yet. And we get so many like different types of like species. Like, 
Um, the prince throws like a like a like a seed, and you get a kaiju plant. It's just seed. a jumping bean. Yeah, I thought you would appreciate the kaiju there. I thought about you. I did love that, that. and it <laughs> broke my freaking heart, like any Godzilla movie would too, with the the demise of that monster. I literally kept thinking, like, oh, what if it lived? Like. <laughs> Demon, what are you waiting for? This is what you wanted, isn't it? Look at it. The last of its kind. Like you and I. You destroy it, the world will never see its light again. You have more in common with us than with them. You could be a king. Shoot it! It's getting loose! If you cannot command... That's an order! I can Then you must obey. Shoot it! Ah, anyway. Um, but yeah, the prince. Um, man, if you're a martial arts lover, you're gonna love some of the action boots this guy has, eh? Oh, yeah. Like, he is, uh... <laughs> An incredible martial artist in this movie. Very, very cool. All the flips are just awesome. Um, yeah, his fight scenes are great. He's got a, a couple of fight scenes with Hellboy that are awesome. Like some of the better action scenes in this entire genre, I think. Um, I, he reminds me of Killmonger in Black Panther. I don't know if you thought about that. Oh, that is good. Yeah, he's a little bit of similar motivations and a little bit of a similar attitude. Um he, he opens up this theme that I thought was really interesting in the movie that I, I thought about in the first movie, and I was glad the second movie addressed it, of, like, Hellboy is a monster who is helping humans kill all the monsters that they're afraid of. And it's, you know, where's the point where he's maybe betraying sort of his own people? And, uh, and Prince Nuada opens up that question for him. And even, like, you know, you said you were sad when the kaiju died. And, and Nuada's like... This thing is the last of its kind. If you kill this, it's going to be gone forever. Are you sure you want to do that? And he still does it. Um, but but he opens up this sort of morality question for Hellboy that I'm not sure he was really dealing with before and, and leads him to, you know, spoilers, quit the Bureau at the end. And I like that this movie addressed that question. And I like that the villain, although he's a bad and creepy guy, introduces moral questions for Hellboy to deal with in the same way that Killmonger does for T'Challa and Black Panther too. That is true. That is a good point because like the Killmonger's like, you know, everyone outside of Wakanda is bad. And in this movie, he's saying humans are bad. That's why like that, that pact that they had, he wants to break, you know? Yeah. A lot of like, what's really cool in this movie is that there's like a lot of like relics used in this movie. And I feel like whenever you watch like a Del Toro movie, it's like objects have like like so much like meaning, you know? Like there's like like there's the video games um that are called Dark Souls and like every item in that video game has like a description and like a little history ex- excerpt for it. Mm-hmm. It's insanely detailed. And I get I feel like that I felt a lot of that in this movie. Um, much similar to like the first one, but there's way more gadgets in this movie. Like there's relics, you know, they talk, you know, they, they, there's like more like gadgetry. There's like little, um, like there's the three pieces to the crown that they have to get, Mm -hmm. um, the clockwork that's there. A lot of MacGuffins. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like with the tooth fairy segments in the second movie, um, they're, they're, they're trying to hang on to these things. And I really like how they explain these things like so quickly. And, um, it feels like these 
items like serve a purpose to the story itself too. You know what I mean? And I feel like a lot of times this uh, a movie like Hellboy Two could have easily been like I got to get point I got to get objects A B C to get to you know point B you know and this movie feels like a journey for them. Um, and you know I don't feel like that's ever been like a thing in superhero movies where it's like they were totally cool with letting the villain get all the pieces. I feel like the whole a lot of movies like this would make it like the villain it's like reveal at the end he gets it and it's like all oh, hell is gonna break. Infinity Stones. Yeah, exactly. And in this movie they kind of just let him get it you know they kind of withhold one of them um for as long as they can but then once you know hellboy gets pierced and that beautiful scene where they remove his uh his his wound oh i got thoughts about that yeah i just you know just i felt like man like this random little spearhead like has so much like emphasis to the story because it could legitimately kill the hero but then it's also like the more you pull it the more it's going to go inside you and it's just like it's just so such an interesting facet of like del toro you know storytelling because i can get something like chronos like the little beetle that get that keeps blood you know is like such an integral part of that movie too you know i don't know just a weird thought i had when i was watching the second movie i don't know maybe just because of that dark souls video game but anyway (laughs) i kind of get what you're saying i i I don't feel like our heroes ever have like a great understanding of this elf world or whatever they're called and like what exactly he wants and how he's going to get it but that's why it's good that um princess nuala is on their side because she's kind of there to be their way into this world and kind of explain things along the way not that she's just an exposition character because she's not um she's she's an adorable character and i love her relationship with abe you know abe getting his first crush and everything i just they're they're very very cute abe is adorable in those scenes and it leads to you know maybe the best scene in the hellboy franchise which is abe and hellboy getting drunk listening to barry manilow i can't smile without you i mean that's just a wonderful wonderful yeah scene. yeah that's where heath holland was like seeing the cd and being like you see we got to hang on to cds now because look you could have this kind of moment with your boy liz wasn't about the physical media she's like you you never listen to this you need to get rid of it and yeah he's like, oh eight track was the best <laughs> Is that what it was? The eight track? Okay. <laughs> yeah, he said eight track was like the best or for something. We all love Hellboy because he has a bunch of cats too, and we're cat boys. So yeah, we are cat boys, and I love that he always has all these cats around. <laughs> it's just so great. He's such a he's got so many quirks to his character. Um, he's so lovable. I just love Hellboy. I mean, he's kind of a grouch. He's a little bit of an asshole sometimes, but he's so warm and lovable. And I you know just want to give him a big hug. Just love Hellboy. Yeah, and, and I, I love him. And, like, you were talking about Abe. Him and Abe, I feel like they're more, like, they're buddy-buddies more in this movie than just, like, having jobs in the first movie, but also being friends because they're mm-hmm. living together in this in this thing. And this one, they're more buddy-buddies. He's like, oh, crap, you're in love. Take a beer. And you get Abe drunk and stuff. He's like, Abe's like that one f- friend that never drinks, but, like, when you get him drunk, you're like, oh, shoot. Like, things are going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it also helps that, uh, I don't know if you know this, but Doug Jones voices the character himself in the second movie. But in the first movie, David Hyde Pierce voices him. So there's maybe like a little bit of a disconnect between the voice and the character, but there isn't in the second movie. So I I do think he's better. It's kind of like how Zac Efron got to do his own singing in High School Musical 2. There's another episode for you to do. (laughs) Uh, I actually haven't seen the second or the third one. I've never been a High School Musical fan because I'm a I'm a man that like likes all these like really cool big things. I don't like musicals. You might be a little young for High School Musical, maybe. I don't know. I feel like that was always like the biggest like it's almost like Twilight in a way where it's like all these. It was mostly guys bitching about these movies that were really popular. 
like High School Musical and like Twilight because they felt like it was like not overtly masculine ever. And I'm like, okay, like, well, yeah. this is like super popular, more popular than you in your opinion. I, I don't know if this is true. I hope it's true. But I feel like maybe Fifty Shades of Grey was the last gasp for dudes just constantly throwing fits and whining because something that women embrace is popular. You know, it was it was Justin Bieber and High School Musical and Twilight. You're right. You, I think you named them all, which is just dudes constantly throwing fits because like, this is a design for me. And, you know, with the Fifty Shades of Grey movies, you always had all of the the male 20 something movie reviewer YouTubers just like going on rants about how bad these movies are. And like, I just want to shake them and be like, these movies are not for you, dude. You need to watch movies that are not 50 shades of gray. Stop it. Oh, um, I totally I thought that was they were the watching last. them. I thought they were just watching with the uh, envious eye. Cause like, man, this guy's getting laid and he has all this money and I don't have any of that stuff. I'm just recording a YouTube video <laughs> on her reviews and being a big virgin. That's you probably know? in there. That's probably in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should have made one of my first YouTube videos about why, um, the 50 shades movies are some of the worst movies of all time. And why twilight ruined <laughs> cinema. I should totally do one of those. These guys all love Batman. Cause Batman's the virgin version. Virgin Christian gray. He but just totally, punches people. Whereas Christian gray gets laid. Right. But I totally feel like Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne was totally getting puss. No. Yeah. He woke up in bed with some random woman who we never see again in Batman versus Superman. I was like, I was like, Holy shit. Batman actually got laid, which he does in dark Knight rises too. You know, Know, let's let's give him credit. Ah, uh, it took him three movies to get there. Okay? <laughs> it did. <laughs> oh man, uh, what are you doing, you, Bruce Wayne? <laughs> seriously. Uh, hey, so like Abe, he looks totally like Shape of Water's uh, monster. I wonder if that's by <laughs> accident or not. Yeah, I mean, Del Toro just really had that on the brain. He probably just loved Doug Jones's performance as that creature so much. He's like, you know what? We're gonna do this again, but you're gonna be the romantic lead in a romance movie, and that's what it's, we're gonna do. It's a spiritual sequel. That's actually just a, a nonverbal Abe um, that's fallen in love. Maybe it's like a prequel before he learned how to talk. Because he the the monster in Shape of Water loves eggs, and Abe loves yep. eating hard boiled or whatever kind of eggs they were. In now that I think about it, doesn't the Shape of Water Shape of Water takes place in the 1960s? So. There you go. It's a prequel. Like clearly his his design changed a little bit, but you know, we evolve over mm-hmm. 50 years whatever. So yeah, prequel. I think it works. And Hellboy Hellboy 2 shares uh, something with uh, Shape of Water. It did get an Oscar nom, but I guess Shape of Water won one, but um Shape of uh Hellboy 2 got a nom for best makeup. I don't know if oh, the first great. one got any. But I didn't know that. Why did Ron Perlman get a best actor award? Good god. Dude, I would have given it to him. He rules in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. And speaking of best makeup, my favorite piece of makeup of the movie is definitely also Doug Jones, but this time playing the Angel of Death. That is a beautiful, yes. incredible sequence. Yeah, talk about like the the chilling, like demonic parts that were all over in the first one. You get that in this one. Even the troll with no legs kind of creeped me out a little bit. Like it's <laughs> totally. literally just the stump guy. And uh, yeah, I've seen that image in like thumbnails and like other things and not know where it was from. And then watching this, I, I literally pointed at like De Niro, like DiCaprio and I was like, there's that image. Now I know where it's from. <laughs> Just so chilling. It reminds me that the, the no legs cart guy reminded me of a character in a Western like he would have oh been boy. played by Walter Brennan and just would have been the guy who comes in and is like, well, I'll show you where you can find this area, blah, blah, blah. And that's, you know, they just turned him into a troll in this movie. And that's what it is. 
So I'm telling you, Hellboy 2 is influenced by Westerns. Oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, so talk to, talk to me about this demonic angel thing. You said you had some thoughts on it. Oh, uh, you know, not too much other than the fact that I, I think it's beautiful and the makeup is amazing and it's super creepy. Uh, I, I just think it's a gorgeous sequence. Um, and it also continues to set up what's being set up in the first movie that Hellboy's destiny is to bring about the apocalypse, to bring about the end mm-hmm. of the world. And like, that's why I want that third movie that's going to deal with that being set up. Like, I want a third movie to deal with him bringing on the apocalypse. Of course, you know, he won't really bring on the apocalypse. I don't want Hellboy 3 to end with the end of the world, but I want it to right. deal with that destiny. And I want a third movie for their kids, their twins. I want them yeah, to be born. It'll be like the Shrek movies after the second Shrek movie where he they have get babies and then they're the third movie or whatever. Uh, sure. Yeah. I've never seen like- I've never seen them, but okay. Shrek is basically like Hellboy, although only, only he's green, and but he's still like insanely strong, and is supposed to be this evil guy, but he actually has a heart of gold and has uh, some comedy okay. to it. I'm not a Shrek fan, but I'll give that to you. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Uh, so yeah, that reminds me the, the the whole prophecy of Hellboy is to bring about the apocalypse, and you get like an image of that in a scene with like the the tentacles coming down, and yeah. like he's just chilling and stuff, um, watching it all happen. And you get none of that really in the second movie, um, except with that angel of death where she says like his prophecy will be you know fulfilled. And Liz is like, I don't care. Like help my boy. I love him. Um, I kept yeah, I thinking, love it when it says choose the world or him. And she just says him. And I'm like, oh, I love this romance. Yeah. It's me in the heart, man. And you don't you don't get like any like doomsday like, you know, imagery in this movie in the second one. But for some reason, I kept thinking about the trailer for the David Harbor one, where I feel like that trailer just literally does show the end of the world happening in that whole trailer. And maybe I never, like I said, I didn't actually finish the movie. So I I can't say I'm not down for that. That would feel these, these movies would feel so weird if like we had that apocalypse imagery, like showing up, you know, I don't want these movies to be that dark. I really don't. Like, I I think they're sweet movies about family and they do have, you know, dark stuff in there, but I want them to be sweet movies about family. I don't want them to feel like a frat guy belching in my face, which is what that (laughs) 2019 movie was. It was just so obnoxious. I can't even describe it to you, man. I just cannot deal with it. Hey, what did you think about the golden army? I kind of liked how they were like these clockwork type of things. And I love the part where he, um, the prince puts on a is a thing. He's like, do do challenges me and stuff like that. And it feels like such an epic showdown. And it's not like this all flashy fight. You know, it feels like a brawl. You know, it's. You know the uh, the fight scene with the golden army. I'm not gonna lie, it was a little too Transformers to me. Uh, <laughs> while that was going on, I was thinking like, I'm not that interested in this fight of just watching these robots pound on each other. But then when that fight ended and it was Hellboy's like, I challenge your right to rule. And, and Nuada is like, you have no right to challenge me. And then this, the princess says, no, he is the son of the fallen one. He is of royal blood. I was like, oh, this is so badass. Mm-hmm. And then when they have their fight scene one-on-one, love that as a climax. Like that mm-hmm. is just a spe- a top tier superhero climax fight scene to me. Um, so I don't really care that the golden army fight scene, which is like, ah, oh, it's okay. It's robots, CGI robots fighting each other. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And I love the, the, and the, um, the villain demise. I've always kind of thought it was weird how after like, especially like these MCU movies, like when the villain's gone, like if it's a human, it's like, Oh, they're just a body there, I guess at the end. Right. But in this one, like they fall into stone and, decapit like they just like crumble up it's kind of sad and bittersweet and especially totally. is 
for Abe, which I kept thinking, like, is he going to just keep the statue and just, like, kind of keep her there and stuff? But that doesn't happen. Maybe that's just a creepy thing that I thought of. That'd that's nice. a very creepy thing that you thought of. <laughs> well, I thought because, like, when animals die, people hang on to them and, like, stuff them. I thought it was maybe of that. <laughs> One, I don't think very many people do that. That is a very niche market. And two... Uh, you know, I think that's a very different thing doing that with a person or an animal personally. <laughs> what, were we ta- what were we talking about? Oh yeah, D- dude, you know, so there's a thing where any pain that one of the twins feels, the other one will feel it too. Yep. So this brother, this prince, he's this all out warrior, dude. How stressful would it be for the princess every time this guy goes into battle and she's just like, I'm just, if he dies, I'm gone. Or if he gets punched in the face, I'm going to feel like I got punched in the face. Like I would be so pissed off at that guy for being a warrior. I'm like, can you not just stay home? Can you just be an accountant? Because I don't want my life risked all the time. (laughs) It's so true. And like, he's obviously putting his sister in danger all the time too and not even thinking about it but then he gets all shocked when he sees a, a wound on him when she stabs herself I'm like dude you've been trying to kill her the whole time you like basically yeah <sighs> yeah and, and you know what any movie that has like um because i've seen it before like where like a prince or like a like a like a or like even like a brother like if they kill like another relative for like power or glory oh, yeah it always gives me like these like holy shit kind of vibes you know it's just kind of like how the hell can you do something like that like so calculated again joaquin phoenix and gladiator there's a lot of parallels <laughs> between those characters like you put you put joaquin phoenix and gladiator with killmonger together and you get prince nuada uh, oh and a gelfling from dark crystal all those together and you get this guy it's weird how this movie like juggles all of these things all at once it's like del toro's a great director he is a super good director. <laughs> He's really, really good. And I think this is a year after Pan's Labyrinth, isn't it? Because I'm pretty sure Pan's Labyrinth came out in 2007, was it? Was it? I For some reason, I thought it was earlier. Oh, it's 2006. 2006. Okay, interesting. So he had already done Blade 2 and Hellboy before he did Pan's Labyrinth. I didn't realize that. Okay. Which I haven't seen Blade in a long time. Or at least Blade Two, especially. I don't. I did he do the first one or just the second one? No, he did not do the first one. He just did the second one, and uh, they're very worth watching. That second one, I, I feel like they're you're very much in two camps. You're a Blade guy or you're a Blade Two guy. I really mm-hmm. like Blade, but I am a Blade Two guy. Uh, it's so much. It's kind of more of a monster movie. Like it leans on horror, I think more, and uh, the monster stuff is so cool, and the action is incredible. Like. Those Blade movies, like, I don't know that it gets better for action scenes in uh, superhero movies, you know, but they are more action movies than superhero movies, probably, if there's a difference, which is debatable. But, uh, yeah, Blade 2 is great. It's crazy how, like, he, I guess from what it sounds like with that, and then obviously with Bla- uh, with Hellboy um, 2, it's crazy how he can, he, he can, he did such great action sequences in, like, these superhero movies, you know, that you don't really see too much of after. I mean, I never think of these MCU movies like hardcore action. And I guess even The Dark Knight is definitely not an action type of movie. Um, it's more like yeah, gadgetry. Not really. Yeah. Drama. It's influenced by heat more than any action yeah, movie. Yeah, that's for a sure. great way. Yeah, yeah. And Which some people just, call heat an action movie. I personally don't, but debatable. Oh, thing. that's a crime drama. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, you don't. I recognize the shootout in Heat is great, but you watch Heat to watch Pacino and De Niro sit in a diner and talk. Like, mm-hmm. you don't put it on for the shootout, in my personal opinion. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it's cool. He did Blade he did um, Blade 2, and then he did, which is an action movie and a monster movie from the sounds like, and then he did a monster fantasy movie with Pan's Labyrinth, and then he does Hellboy 2, which is kind of a cute com- cumulation of both of those type of movie making into yeah, one totally. movie. Yeah, and then he didn't get he didn't do anything until Pacific Rim. I'm pretty sure too, which is like in 2014. That feels like a long time for him. I think Pacific Rim was 2013, but it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't. Yeah, matter. 2013. But man, that's a that's a long time between movies, especially since he did a two year gap between Hellboy two and Pan's Labyrinth, and it seems like that. I wonder what was going on then. That's interesting. I didn't know that there was such a gap. That's too bad, though. Uh, you know, more Del Toro movies is always best I, don't, I always want more from him he's one of those breed of directors where it's like uh it's it, it's a pretty safe bet the movie's gonna do pretty damn well and he does he's a he does well with a budget for sure like the practicals the the, the the set designs for those things like i mean it's almost unmatched you know speaking of doing well like as far as a box office standpoint do you know if this movie was much of a hit like i i wouldn't think it would be that big of a hit considering we never got a third movie but i don't actually know yeah, well, the movie ends with, like you said, they quit the Bureau. So I'm wondering if Del Toro himself, or he, maybe he offered out to the um, to the, the writing team and the, the comic book writers if like they wanted to do another movie. Maybe he just respected that. I don't know. It, it, it made money. It, its box office was $168.3 million with an $82.5 million budget. Okay, yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. So just about doubles what it was made worth. So... I mean, maybe it was just like a, like, I don't know. I mean, I like the ending of Hellboy too, but I mean, the way you said a, a third one definitely does sound like it would be worth the price of admission easily. Um, it, it probably didn't have that much stacked against it in terms of trilogies for super movies at the time with like Spider-Man 3. And I know I love the last stand of X-Men, but like, you know, I'm sure Hellboy 3 probably would have succeeded expectations on that end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to do an X-Men The Last Stand episode one of these days. It'll probably be the last episode of the entire podcast because stand. <laughs> we're all leading to this. <laughs> and then at one point I'll be like, Charles always wanted to build bridges. I don't know. I've always loved that. <laughs> You'll be like, this is the last episode inside the sequel. But then at the very end, your hand will move a chess piece. It'll be like, <gasps> maybe there's going to be another inside the sequel episode. Such a chilling ending. To movie. <laughs> As a kid, I kept thinking like, holy crap. I said that a lot of times in movies where I was like, Oh my God, that's crazy. Crazy um, end to the entire X-Men franchise. We never got another X-Men movie after that. It was the last stand. That was it, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love when these movies like kind of like have like these like endings and then like, Oh, a couple years later, they just do more movies. Of them Friday again. the 13th, the final chapter. <laughs> That's probably the most infamous one. Oh, but yeah, no, I really like Hellboy too, man. It's, it's, it's honestly top tier cinema. Um, absolutely. And, and like, you know, I don't know. Is it weird to say that? Like, I feel like it's a part of me is like, I keep comic book movies on its own little, file and then no other genre movies on their own but then a lot of times i feel like no 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 like these comic movies like they like i don't know why people like put a name on them i don't know if it's just like the society we live in today with movie making but um just like as a movie in general hellboy 2 is like kick ass and it's such a genre bender that works so well when it probably shouldn't yeah, and I, I feel like I need to set the record straight here real quick. Please, so, please do. We're wondering what you're going to say. On my first episode of Inside the Sequel, we talked about Pet Cemetery 2. 
I gave you my top five sequels that I think are better than the original. Mm -hmm. Hellboy 2 was not on that list. And uh, I think it was just because I, it had been so long since I had seen it. Uh It would be on that list now. It would either be number five, kicking out Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, or it might even be number four, bumping over Dawn of the Dead. I'm not sure about that. Or no, bumping. No, it would be number four, bumping over Friday the 13th Part 2, for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of what my list was. But yeah, I'm just saying it would be on that list now. Yeah, Hellboy 2 is definitely one of those top tier sequels. And you know what's weird? I just don't hear talk about Hellboy. You know, like I know you love these movies and I honestly just wanted to scratch my back and finally watching these and have an excuse to talk about them. Um, But I really don't see Hellboy talk really ever, especially like comic book movie conversation talks as we're living in such a golden era of it. And then like just like 2000s movie making in general, I just never hear talk, but it feels like it was such a big thing when it came out. They're old and it's a franchise that has not really continued. I mean, it got a reboot in 2019, but it was a massive box office bomb and terribly reviewed. So like nobody saw it. And even those that did see it largely didn't like it. Not completely. I know some people who like it. Uh, And I'm sorry to every, all of you people for, uh, for (laughs) me just trashing it, even though I haven't even finished it. So I I realize that's annoying. It's probably um, Boozy's favorite movie now. (laughs) (laughs) Only if it's on Tubi, only if it's on Tubi. Uh, See the, the problem, the bummer with Hellboy is normally when I really like a superhero, like, I want another installment. Like, I want more movies with that superhero. But this is a really rare case where if it's not Del Toro and it's not Ron Perlman, and I think he's probably too old at this point, I don't really want another Hellboy movie. And, like, that's not the case with any other superhero movie. Like, I'll take another Batman movie. I don't need it to be a certain actor. I'll even take another Iron Man movie. Like, Robert Downey Jr. was great, but we can recast Iron Man. Like, that's I don't think that's that big a deal. But I don't think I really want Hellboy without Ron Perlman. And that's, you know, it's a weird, unusual thing. But I think it's true. Yeah, I need the right amount of cigar chain smoking with huge muscles, pecs. Um, Massive pecs. I, yeah, and, and and a certain baldness to it that I, well, it's not, he's not bald. He has like this really cool hairstyle that's like. Braided. Just on the sides, the top of his head is bald. It's this a is bald cinema. Look. It's pretty sleek, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, 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 I'd probably be stunned to see anybody that could pull like a Ron Perlman performance like that. I feel like we just don't talk about Ron Perlman enough as an actor. And his Twitter is absolutely goaded too. It's always Oh, funny. is it really? It's funny. He calls out all the bullshit. He should be just on here all the time and just calling my bullshit out. That's true. I think I've seen him get in Twitter fights with Ted Cruz before. Yeah, I he's like- he's a, done that. He's like the opposite of James Woods in a way, you know? Like <laughs> he's calling out the bullshit on the good stuff and not just being he's annoying. He's a good boy. Yeah. yeah. Like Devin Sawa. He's a good boy on Twitter too. Mm. We need more good boy Twitter boys, you know? <laughs> we can be those boys. We can try at least. <laughs> and, you know, and you know what's great about, like, you know, bring it all back to your, your, your story of riding your, were you riding your bike or you hitching rides from strangers? I don't know what it was to the video store. <laughs> I was actually riding, I was a very little kid at this point, and I was riding my little, I had a little motorized bike, like it's kind of like a, like a motorcycle, but battery powered and for little kids. And I was just, I would just cruise it. Let's see, how old was I in 2004? I was 11 years old. So I'm 11 years old, riding this little bike over to the video store, staring at the the VHS copy of Hellboy, like, I want to see that so bad. Might have been a DVD (laughs) copy, actually. And Thomas Jane's The Punisher, which my dad did also eventually let me watch. And was disappointing, and I didn't like it. <laughs> Dude, there's like, 
uh, one of these days we need to set aside a marathon day to like watch like um, these kind of like like the Punisher, Jonah Hex, like these type of like not grade A superhero movies from right. like the 2000s. But like, you know, we should like revisit maybe like not the Punisher because it doesn't sound that interesting from what you're telling me. But like the Punisher like, War Zone, you, that should be included. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like these like lower tiered superhero movies that got money should be watched and talked about. I don't know. Just I actually made a list. If you want to hear it, I made a list yeah. of my top five superhero movies that do not include Marvel or DC. Oh, okay. That's, Ooh, that's tough. Yeah. So while I was trying to figure out the list, I looked at this IMDB list uh-huh. and, um, and it had like RoboCop and the mask of Zorro on there. And for the record, I don't really count RoboCop or Zorro as superheroes. Just yeah. that's just me. So those are not included. But my number five is the Phantom. Have you seen oh, that yeah. with Billy I've heard, Zane? I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot. It's fun. It gets made fun of a lot because Billy Zane has yeah a silly looking purple tight costume. I mean, it looks like the comic book, but whatever. It does look kind of silly, but it gets made fun of just for that reason. But it's a really fun adventure movie, like mm-hmm. kind of in the in the vein of kind of sort of Indiana Jones, you know, kind of sort of Zorro. Like they're in that spirit. Um, It's really fun. My number four would be sky high. Yeah. 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 Sky high is so fun. Mm -hmm. Number three would be dark man. Sam Raimi's dark man. Man, that movie's great. Isn't it? Yeah. Perfect cinema. (laughs) Another Daryl Toral esque type of movie with like a little horror and superhero and, Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, My number two is kind of the outlier. It would be unbreakable. Yeah, another <laughs> really great movie. <laughs> really, really great movie. And my number one would be Hellboy Two slash Hellboy. It's like I think I like those movies more than some of like the flagship superhero movies these days. Oh yeah, I totally would too. I would put Hellboy Two. I would I would put Hellboy Two on my like top ten superhero movies of all time. I'm not sure exactly where it would place, but it would mm-hmm. be on there somewhere. Yeah, that'd be fun to do sometime. Who 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 has like a superhero podcast that we can invade and do top tens on? Um, and then shit on the MCU to join the the masses. I don't know anyone who runs a superhero exclusive podcast, but our buddy Mike Scott is a huge superhero movie connoisseur. I just would be afraid to disappoint him, honestly. <laughs> uh, here's one weird thought that I had, and I just kind of want to get it out in the open. So when I was watching Hellboy 2 and like obviously thinking this movie is top tier uh, cinema, I kept thinking, man, it felt like, Thor, the Dark World, tried to do something of this sort of vein with these elves, and it was absolutely shit. <laughs> and yes, I think to be a movie like that, but man, Dark World is horrible. I was absolutely thinking that too. Yeah, Dark World is one of the angriest I've ever been in a movie theater watching it. Like, I hated it so much. And I, I softened it on it a little bit over time, but I recently rewatched it because Stephanie, is, my wife, is watching all of the... Uh, Marvel yeah. movies that she hadn't seen yet. So she was watching dark world and I'm sitting there with her and I was just like bored out of my mind. And I eventually just left. I'm like, this movie is unbelievably boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it like, it kind of tries to be weird and fantasy and just fails at it so terribly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the Hellboy movies succeed where Thor, the dark world screws up, I think. Yeah. I, I just kept thinking that and I didn't want to, cause I was like, I shouldn't even be thinking about this movie compared to Hellboy 2 but it's like man there is some similarities that it's trying to do there yeah look look at the difference between Luke Goss and Hellboy 2 this martial arts badass with an actual philosophy 
and Christopher Eccleston and <laughs> Thor the Dark World just kind of stumbling around all short in his ridiculous makeup to be like, oh, I'm a dark elf and not really doing anything. <laughs> just looking constipated all the time. <laughs> You know, it's it, it's so weird that we like criticize the MCU or, or people easily do it. I feel like hesitant sometimes, but I'm definitely not one to shy away. But it's so interesting to see some of those like earlier MCU movies and think, oh man, it's kind of crazy how we got to where we are now. Yeah, I mean, I like most of the movies. In fact, I think Thor: The Dark World is the only one that I think is like a terrible movie. I don't think any of the others are terrible. I just think the other worst ones are just generic, like. Iron Man 2, kind of generic, pretty sloppy. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is a movie that just I don't care about. Like, I cannot possibly muster up an enthusiastic opinion about anything about that movie. Yeah. Uh, Wish it didn't follow uh, Endgame. That's just the thing. Yeah, that was a problem. Another problem with uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I actually really liked, but it followed Infinity War. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is too close to to the mood of Infinity War. I mean too close in time frame but like too far away from the tone like yeah yeah Yeah. but you know we still we're we're at that age now where we can start reminiscing about the 2000s and and think kind of like oh this was the time for these kind of like these movies that like we never would have thought like a cinematic world we just thought sequels to one property or the other you know what i mean and oh also fantastic uh fantastic four you know, that's another superhero that got a sequel as well. So underrated. I love that movie. It's yeah. not as good as the Hellboy movies, but I but, enjoy it almost as much. Yeah. I mean, like, it's crazy, like, how much um, those movies hold to our hearts almost more than, like, most other normal movies, I guess you would say. Like, I don't know. I've always. Well, always we watched them a, when we were kids, you know? Yeah. I always wanted to be this big red buff guy, you know, with a with a huge, like, hand cannon you know okay okay no i have an important question about this are you ready mm-hmm. okay so imagine you are a heterosexual woman are you smashing hellboy are you getting hell. down with the big red hell yeah dude he's just seems I... like he would play with your hair after and, <laughs> you know just kind of make jokes about it all i buy it too i buy it too and like sometimes okay so like beauty and the beast i'm like okay i get that you fell in love with the beast but I don't understand how sex is going to work. Like that just, Mm -hmm. that relationship, I don't know if that's going to work out, but it doesn't matter because he turns into a person, but a human woman and Hellboy. No, I think it works. I think I could definitely see being attracted to Hellboy. And if there are any women out there listening who are sexually attracted to Hellboy, we would love to hear about it at inside sequel on Twitter. (laughs) Please let us know if you're down for some red schmeat because Lord knows we all would be. Um, but the big thing was, I was, I was wondering why we didn't see Abe's like schlong. Like we kind of get a description of it in the shape of water, but I was hoping we'd actually get to see it in the Hellboy movies. Yeah. You know, normally you can only see schlong in an R rated movie, but since it's like fish man schlong, I don't know what the rules are around that. I don't know. We'd have to ask the MPAA. I'm wondering (laughs) what their opinion is. I mean, I still Google search like how amphibian man's meat works because the ways that it's described in the movie still, I'm still confused in how I see it. <laughs> uh, oh man. Anyway, but hey, bud. So, what are you gonna be up to now? Like, we just got on here, this big prestigious podcast talking about Hellboy two and comic book movies. Hashtag film Twitter is gonna be all over this one, um, talking shit about the MCU, like. 
what are you gonna all do they do now? anymore it's <laughs> all twitter does anymore is complain about the mcu they're gonna be like this piece of shit's like critic is, is talk about the mcu and talk about schmied at the same time it's just because there's been such a break between mcu movies that they just like they think they hate them now but then as soon as black widow comes out twitter's gonna be like oh, okay we kind of like this movie never mind man i'm gonna be simping for that black widow movie <laughs> i'm like i'm going to russia now i'm just like so gonna be simping then you can do your double feature of uh, a good day to die hard in Black Widow. Good Russian action movies, right? Okay. Is like Lindsay sponsoring this video because there's a bunch of doubles being mentioned here. And I know she's like writing them down as we speak. Yes. Schlock and Awe, sponsor of this podcast. They paid us a lot of money. So the least we can do is shout them out a lot. It's all that foreign money in Australia. <laughs> all that Australian money. Anyway, what, what are you going to be doing on uh, Cobweebs? Actually, I'm glad you asked because I have something kind of special coming up that I wanted to plug. Uh, it's kind of a special off-topic episode that we're going to be putting out very early July. Uh, but, you know, a lot of people really enjoy the episodes we do of planning a 24-hour marathon. And we're going to do one of those episodes on action movies. It is going to be me and Matt Bledsoe from the Film Feast podcast and Mike Scott from Adkins Undisputed. We are coming together uh, for an off-topic episode on the Cobwebs podcast, we're going to be planning a 24-hour action marathon. And I am super excited about that. So that's coming up very early July. Nice. And that's the part of the episode that everyone just fast-forwards to to get to so they know what to expect for your show next. That's what most people do here. Um, and I'm going to be so pissed off <laughs> if I don't hear chomping on the mics for that because I'm convinced Matt needs to have people eating on the film feast while talking about films. Oh, so you want them to feasting. Yes, I want to know what dishes are being consumed during this one. So, Matt, if you're listening, make sure to do that. Um, but no, that sounds great, man. I'll be excited to tune in. Where can people check out the Cobwebs podcast? You can follow us on any podcast app. at uh, We're just called the Cobwebs Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cobwebs Pod. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at Epler Daniel. Yes, and he's doing his Juneploitation recommendations. And uh, follow that stream, that thread, I guess is what it's called. Um, cause that's where I'm getting a lot of ideas. So make sure to check them out on Twitter there. Um, if you like this episode, don't forget to, uh, check out our other stuff. Um, and don't forget to check us out on Twitter. We're at sequel pod, um, on Twitter. You can follow me at hertastic underscore Chris. If you like this episode, if you have some thoughts or recommendations for a future episode, make sure to give us an email at sequelpod at gmail.com. Um, but other than that, uh, Dan, Daniel, thank you so much for being on here, bud, um, to talk about um, comic book films and just Del Toro and all this wonderful world that is Hellboy. Um, and thank you all for tuning in. And uh, remember, if you don't like uh, early 2000s superhero movies, then do you really care about cinema? Anyway, we'll see you next time.